Joy to the Father, 
Good morning. Welcome. Um, can I just say, you all surprised me a little bit this morning. Uh, when we were first looking at this day and realized that New Year's Eve was on a Sunday, we weren't sure how many of you would still be sleeping or on vacation or any of that. And you showed up today. Uh, and, you know, it, it's actually, I think, a great way to end the year as we come together and worship our Lord and Savior who has come to be with us and has been with us throughout this last year and will be with us as we go into a new year. And so we come together to worship God this morning, and I'm so thankful that you've joined us for this today. Uh, if you have your, your Bibles with you, I'd invite you to join me uh, in the Gospel of John. We're going to read a few verses this morning from John chapter 1. And if you're able to this morning, I just invite you to stand as we read God's word today. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. Everything came into being through the Word, and without the Word, nothing came into being. What came into being through the word was life, and the life was the light for all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness doesn't extinguish the light. A man named John was sent from God. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him everyone would believe in the light. He himself wasn't the light, but his mission was to testify concerning the light. The true light that shines on all people was coming into the world. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we say together, thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Today is the seventh day of Christmas. As we celebrate the Christmas season, and as we think about passages of Scripture that are Christmas passages of Scripture, we're probably typically drawn to the familiar passages like the opening of of Matthew's Gospel or Luke's Gospel that tell some of the the familiar stories of, of Mary and Joseph and both of them hearing from the angels and the shepherds and the manger and the the wise men and and all of that. But today, we go to John's Gospel. John doesn't begin with some of those familiar stories. John begins with poetry. You know, I I was thinking about poetry a little bit because poetry is different from how we normally communicate with each other. And yet, it's often used to try to communicate some sort of deeper truth or or deeper meaning. I'm not much of a poet, but um, I read a poem this week and said, roses are red, violets are blue. You think you know it. Hold on, though. This poem is cheesy. I think you're great, too. Some of you won't get that for a while, but eventually it will hit you. Um, (laughs) 
you know, a lot of times when we think of poetry, we think of love poems, whether they're cheesy ones or not. Uh, I think that's because sometimes people turn to things like poetry when they want to express something that typical words just don't seem adequate for. You know, you have those experiences of life that you want to capture in some way, and, and a picture doesn't do justice, and and words don't seem to do justice, and you're just not quite sure how to capture everything that you're feeling or experiencing or wanting to communicate to those around you. I think that's some of what John's Gospel is doing here at the very beginning, trying to capture so much more than any words we could come up with could, could adequately put their hands around. John is trying to talk about the significance of Emmanuel, God who is with us. That's one of the reasons we linger in this Christmas season for a little while. To be reminded that we don't just celebrate a God who has come, but we celebrate a God who has come with us. What does it mean that God has come into this world? What does that mean about the kind of God we worship? What does that mean about us and, and our need for God to be in our lives? And how does that change the way in which we live, knowing that we serve a God who has come and who is with us? Well, John is, is wrestling some of, of, uh, of this reality in the opening to the gospel here. And there's so much that John has to say. You, you probably recognize some familiarity with how John began his gospel. In Genesis, we're told that in the beginning, God created. John says, in the beginning, God. <laughs> Actually, John says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word. The our word word refers to the Greek word logos. My guess is a lot of you don't know a lot of Greek, but a lot of you have probably heard of the word logos before. It was a word that, that carried a, a lot of significance and meaning, especially as you draw from the Old Testament. At the time John would have written these words, logos was the thing that for popular culture seem to kind of give meaning to, to life. And today, some people would say it, it's something like science that gives order or meaning to life. There's another current today that says order and meaning for life comes from whatever you make of it. You're the one who defines what order and meaning is for yourself. Popular culture at that time says what orders life as we know it is logos. In the scriptures, Logos was used in a couple of ways. On one hand, it, it referred to, to wisdom. And wisdom in the Old Testament wasn't about knowledge. It was about how do we live lives well? How do we live life the way in which we were intended to live life? And Logos referred to that. Logos also, on the other hand, referred to, to words of God, particularly the words of God that were spoken through God's prophets. John seems to be kind of taking all of this and bringing it together. When John uses the word logos, he's, he's talking about what brings order into life. He's, he's talking about what gives wisdom and meaning to life. And he's talking about what gives us direction. And John is saying all of these things, order, meaning, wisdom, direction, they're all found in one place, and that's through God. God who has shown up in this world as Jesus Christ. And as John is telling us these, these words, John is saying that, that, that in Christ is life and light. Life as it was intended to be is not found in any of the other stuff that comes our way. It's found through Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is what gives us light in a world that so often seems so very dark. I want to think about light for a moment this morning. Life is something that we have a tendency to take for granted. We're reminded a little bit of that this time of year when it gets dark so very early. Last night, we were in the car about 5.30, and it, it just as well have been 12.30. I mean, it was 
dark outside. And just driving in the car, I thought, man, I'm ready to go to bed. Like, but I looked at the clock and it said 5.30. I'm like, oh, it's way too early to go to bed. But when it's dark outside, it just, it just feels different, doesn't it? Things just feel different when it's dark like that. You know, we also realize that when we go through things like power outages. Every year, this time of year, I remember back to, to a power outage we had in Michigan nine years ago. We'd had a bunch of freezing rain, and you know what that does? Limbs fell and power went out. So much of our city was without power. We were without power for four days. Some people went several weeks. You know, we lived in a, in a pretty busy neighborhood, and we were on a corner, so there were street lights that no matter how hard you tried to keep those street lights from getting light inside of your house, they got light inside of your house. Most of the time, you didn't like it until there was no power. And all of a sudden, what was normally a place that was familiar became so very unfamiliar. Your instinct at night was to try to open your eyes really wide as if that would allow more light to get into your eyes, right? I remember walking through the house with a flashlight, and even though my flashlight was pretty bright, it seemed as if the darkness was just absorbing the light. And the light, the flashlight wasn't as bright as I was used to it being. Everything just seemed different. The darkness can take what is familiar and make it seem unfamiliar. I think that's why we, we use a word like darkness to describe a lot of other non-physical realities, at least non-physical in the sense of, of light and dark. We use the word darkness to talk about seasons in life that might be characterized by things like loss or grief or depression or uncertainty. We'll refer to those as a dark season in our lives. Sometimes we'll, we'll look at the, the experiences of the world around us and we'll say, these are some dark days. It's a political season right now, if you haven't noticed. And, and politics seems to speak language of fear and uncertainty, which helps us think that we are living in very dark days. You know, you can... You can look at the news, and news so often seems to be bad news, that it makes us feel as if we are living in a dark world. And for some of us, we just look at the world in which we live, and cultural values have shifted so much in, in such a short time. They've changed so much that it just doesn't seem familiar anymore. Because it doesn't seem familiar, it just feels dark sometimes. And for all of these reasons and others, you could say the world is a dark place today. And many people would nod their heads in agreement. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe it's just dark to me. Am I on the right track this morning? little feedback helps me out every now and then. Thank you. Well, I say all that because that's not that different from what those who were first reading John's Gospel would have found themselves experiencing. Most people today will say that John's Gospel was written sometime around the end of the first century. They say that was likely passed down through oral tradition for decades before that. What we know as John's Gospel today was, was shared through spoken word before it was written down. Which means that as people heard these words from John's Gospel, they'd experienced some rather difficult times. You know, for the first decade or so after Jesus' life here on earth, and Jesus went back to heaven, and some of you know the last words that Jesus said to his disciples. He said he was coming back, right? So as those days turned to weeks, turned to months, which turned to years, they started to say, well, he said he's coming back. When's he coming back? This is taking a little longer than we thought, so what should we be doing? Do we just sit here and wait? Is there, is there something else we're supposed to do? 
is he really coming back? You know, there's questions of uncertainty as they, as they wrestled with that. Well, by about the middle of the first century, there was something known as the, 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 the Jewish-Roman War that lasted seven years. At the end of this, this war, Jerusalem was breached and the temple was destroyed. This is the time when many of the Jewish people were, were scattered all over the area and began to, to deal with, with persecution. For Jewish Christians, you know, in the first few decades, Jewish Christians continued to worship in the synagogue, the place where they'd always worshipped God. But it was during this time when they began to get kicked out of the synagogue, and they could no longer go to the synagogue to worship God. And then there was also a number of Gentiles who were beginning to come to the Christian faith. And there was this struggle of, can Gentiles really be God's people too? There were all of these uncertainties that were going on in the world during the late first century for, for God's people. And here's why I say all of that. In less than a lifetime, things had radically changed. In less than a lifetime, many of those who would have read these words for the first time, they saw their country cease to exist. They saw the temple destroyed. They lived in a world in which persecution had become a very real reality for them, or at least for those that they knew. They lived in, in the lifetime that the familiar place of worship was a place where they were no longer welcome. And in their own lifetime, those outside of God's original covenant were now embracing God's love and grace. So much changed in less than a lifetime, which left a lot of people living in a world that seemed so very unfamiliar. And because of the unfamiliar, unfamiliarity and uncertainty, there was, could have been a sense of darkness, I suppose, for some of those people. But it's into this reality that John is, rely, is, is reminding those who heard his words back then, but also today, that Jesus Christ is worthy to be followed. Even when so much has changed, even when so much seems uncertain, even when it seems like there is so much darkness, Jesus Christ is worthy to be followed. Now, John doesn't tell us a fairy tale. You know how fairy tales go, right? And they all lived. John doesn't say Jesus Christ came into this world so all Christians can live happily ever after. John doesn't say that. But John does tell us why following Christ is something worth doing. John says there is darkness in this world. Darkness is a reality. But do you know what John also tells us? Darkness is finite. It might be a reality, but it's a limited reality. Because darkness does not have the final say. Darkness will not have the final say. Because Christ has come into this world, and Christ has brought light into the darkness... And the darkness cannot overcome the light. It is Christ who will have the final say. Even though we still live in a world in which darkness is present today, the darkness, as dark as it might seem sometimes, will not have the final say. Amen? Thanks be to God for that. The challenge, though... I don't know if it would have been the challenge for John's hearers, but the challenge, I think, for us today is to receive Christ in this manner can be really difficult for some because so many people today just want things to be a spectacle. We live, what I mean by that is we, we live in a world where, like, everything seems to have to get bigger and better all the time. I remember when we lived in Michigan and my kids were little, we got an invitation to a kindergarten graduation party. And it was taking place, I can't actually remember the name of the place, but we lived just a couple of miles from Michigan State University. And on the campus of Michigan State University, they had a hotel. 
that was a campus hotel. It, it gave an opportunity for students who were studying, I don't know, hotel management or whatever you study there. Uh, it gave an opportunity for them to, to, to learn by practice, but it also gave a place on campus where people could stay. And like most larger hotels, it had ballrooms or rooms that you could rent out for big occasions. Well, guess where this kindergarten graduation party was taking place? In one of those rooms. And I thought, this is a kindergarten graduation party. If you're renting out a ballroom for a kindergarten graduation party, what are you going to do when your kid graduates from fifth grade? Or eighth grade? Or high school? And what are you going to do when they get married, right? You know, we, we live in an age where it's like bigger and bigger and better. We always want things to be bigger than it's ever been before. Better than it's ever been before. You know, the reality is we can fall into that trap in the church sometimes too, right? If we just do things better or bigger, maybe that will get people to come and, and want to be a part of us. And it's not wrong to want to do things well. I like doing things well. It's not wrong to want to do things well. But what brings meaning and order and direction isn't spectacle. It's Jesus, right? It's Jesus. But one of the challenges is because because of this, because we live in a world that wants spectacle, that wants things bigger and bigger, is that when we find ourselves surrounded by darkness, we want a God who shows up in a miraculous way. We want a God who, who shows up and intervenes in the kind of way that could go viral. And so we look for God to, to show up in those kinds of ways. And I just want to say, God is still a God of miracles today. I believe that. But if we notice how God chose to come into the world, God chose to come as a helpless baby in a stable, in a small little sleepy town where nobody really went, without a bunch of pomp and circumstance. God chose to come in a humble manner into this world. But John reminds us that in this, something so much bigger is happening. Something so much bigger than our normal language can put our hands around happened that day when Christ came to this world. Something so much bigger is happening. And so what he is telling us and what we are reminded as, as we linger here in this Christmas season is that for any of us who find ourselves waiting or hungry or wondering or afraid, God is with us now. God is with you now in your waiting or wondering or hurting or hungering because a light has come into this world and the darkness can never overcome the light. Amen? God is here in this place and with us now and always. And that's the message of Christmas. And that's a message that's worth receiving and also a message that's worth sharing. Amen? Lord God, as we worship you this Christmas season, Lord, we are so thankful that you came to be with us. And Lord, sometimes we want you to come on our terms and meet us in our ways. But God, we pray that you would help give us the wisdom and discernment and courage to meet you where you are. Lord, help us to be a people who have the kinds of eyes to see your light shining in a dark place. And to allow your light 
to shine in our lives. So that our lives, in turn, can illuminate the world around us. So that others, too, might come to see and know the light. Lord, it's in you that we live and move and have our being. And God, as we end 2023 and move into 2024, God, may you help us to walk faithfully with you. In your name we pray. Amen. Why don't you stand with us as we continue to celebrate. This is a celebration. Celebrate the coming of Christ. this morning. I did come to do my sound check, though, and the tambourine was right here. I said, you don't want me to use that thing. Probably either scare them or hurt myself, so. No, as, as those who have received the light, I mean, that really is our call, right? To share the light. And my hope and prayer is that as we go into this new year, that the light of Christ would spread. That more and more people would know and experience the love and grace that we have in Jesus Christ. Amen? And the good news is, as we go to do that, we don't go by ourselves, do we? So would you join me for our benediction today? 
As we go, we acknowledge that we cannot live godly lives through our own strength and power. We need God's grace, and we also need one another. and peace that comes through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the light that is shining in the darkness and that the darkness can never overcome. Amen. Go in his grace and peace.